Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Anthro No Apologies podcast. My name is Asia Corinne, your host. Welcome to the second episode of Two Cent Tuesday. Um, A lot of interesting things happened throughout this week. It kind of took me off the rails with trying to figure out what I (laughs) want. My cat is in my hand. She looks fed up. Um, it kind of took me off the rails of trying to figure out what I wanted to do this week for Two Cent Tuesday, but I finally figured it out, and I'm excited to share with y'all because it's it's really close to my heart. And um, as always, Two Cent Tuesday can only be 20 minutes, and once that clock hits zero time, then I have to stop no matter where I'm at and do my outro. So here we go. We're about to get into it, and I'm excited. As always, I have my handy-dandy iPhone telling us what time it is, what time it is. And uh, the timer has started. So the thing that I want to talk about today is whorephobia. And that kind of has to do with a little bit of story time. So the other day, I was on campus, and there were these Christians, and they were super, super, super religious, and they were just spewing racisms and anti-gay rhetoric, anti-sex rhetoric, and anti-a lot of anti-whore speech. And our campus is a our campus is a free speech campus, so it's fine for people to come onto the campus and say whatever it is they want to say and express their their feelings and their visions and their views, political, religious, otherwise doesn't matter. And it was just a very interesting experience because though I felt like their message was all-encompassing, it seemed almost directly and highly focused on women's sexuality. And I really want to get into that because they were holding up signs that said masturbators and abortioners are going to hell, repent now. And then they had like this Bible scripture was like Mark something. Uh, Repent now or like forever hold your peace. Kitty, what do you want? Oh, are you okay? She's meowing. I'm sorry, kitty. Um, <clears throat> Moo, you can't sit right in the middle. Okay, so um, they were holding up these signs, and basically they were saying that anybody that's engaging in premarital sex is problematic, and they're going to hell. And I just had a very strong issue with that because they didn't seem to be focusing They didn't seem to be focusing on men's sexuality at all. So I felt like that was very problematic, especially because our society, amongst very many other societies, devalues the presence of women and women's agency and choosing their sexuality. And when it comes to women's sexuality and their bodies, they're often silenced or cast aside or called whores. And I really kind of wanted to explore the history of why I personally think that that is. Um... It's just insane to me that they would come onto campus and almost speak directly towards women because women tend to be the problem in a lot of people's minds. And men have always been the ones who are allowed to have sex and enjoy sex, whereas women are used for procreation and women's sexuality and sexual desires are insignificant and unaddressed. And me, as a person that really, 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 really enjoys being an active participant of sex, I'm very sexually expressive, very sexually explorative. I don't think that men's sexual pleasures are more important than my own, especially when I think about the historical context of which women's sexual needs have been silenced. Like, 
I'm not, I'm really not the one that's going to be like, oh, you're good. That's fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not the one. I like to make sure that my partner gets his and I get mine. And I, and my partner likes to make sure I get mine as well. And that's something that we kind of talked about in a previous podcast episode. But anyway, the taboo surrounding like the act of non-reproductive sex, which what I mean by non-reproductive sex is sex that you're having for fun or, or sex that feels good. And that's why you're doing it. Um, it stems from the medieval period by this philosopher and theologian. His name is Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas was a, like I said, philosopher and theologian uh, back in the medieval period. And he was very, very highly respected in the church. And he came up with this ideology that non-reproductive sex goes against nature. And having sex for non-reproductive purposes, which is also having sex not married and having sex for fun or having any type of sex that's not like binary sex where it's like with a man and a woman, um, with a man and a woman, uh, missionary sex, anything like that's not that is a sin. And so Thomas Aquinas, as his influence grew in the church, the church indoctrinated his ideas into like basically their religious dogma. So that kind of in my opinion, is where a lot of the dichotomy of women and men in the actual act of sex comes from. And also the implementation of why we view sex culturally as we view it, it's because churches have a very, very strong presence in any society. Churches or religious beliefs have a very strong presence and they they deeply influence how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about our sexuality, and et cetera. So... The church adopted this, and it's been just there ever since. Um, so fast forward to the Victorian era, and this ideology has transformed itself into, like, sexual acts are defined as a form of social defiance. So it's not so much as, it's not as related to its anti-nature. Now it's like, oh, you're a social you're socially defiant, like you're doing it because of various other reasons. I think my boyfriend's coming home. Okay, so don't mind all that background noise. My boyfriend just got home uh, and you're going to be able to hear him coming through the door. Hopefully not. But um, so they were defined this way by the medical psychiatric profession, which was really growing and galvanizing and getting like a lot of uh, getting a lot of charge and wasn't really faced with a lot of resistance back then. So a person engaging in sex for fun was sexually defiant and it was also deemed as medically deviant. And so that brings us to our good old friend Freud, Sigmund Freud. But I do want to say Freud had some low key. Freud had some bomb ass ideas. He was just a fucking sexist and a pig. But anyway, um, to no surprise, that's who it brings us to is Freud. and. Freud thought that one's sexual activities defined who and what they were. So if you were engaging in a certain type of sex that was not socially acceptable, that's what it meant about you as a person. Whereas in previous podcast episodes, me and my partner have talked about like the compartmentalization of life and sex life and how we don't really see those as a thing for for me personally I feel like maybe they do interact and coexist in my actual life because of what my anthropological emphasis is it's on sex um but anyway 
Freud is basically saying that it's an identity and acts that are not socially acceptable, such as women having high libidos, homosexuality, and other kinks and fetishes are socially deviant and defiant and need to be treated with medical attention. So if you're wondering, like, okay, blah, 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 how the fuck does this relate to whorephobia? For me, we all know how well-known Freud is. And he's talked about whether or not people agree with his views or not, but Freud felt like Freud felt like the primary marker of a civilized society was the patriarchal nuclear structure, familial structure. And he also felt like before that, societies that had matriarchal nuclear structures were uncivilized, they were primitive, they were chaotic. Because the way that Freud thinks, he associates peace and structure and stability with men and chaos and being frantic and un disorganization with women. And so for me, that's kind of where I get into this ideology or the correlation between Freud and women to whorephobia because he thought that women were just like chaotic and disruptive and only society could only be run smoothly if men are in charge. He also had this thought that if men are not in charge, society is just going to be run into the ground because women cannot control their own actions. Because that's just how Freud is. Like his psychoanalytic theory has a lot to do with like what controls us, the ego, the id, and the whatever the third one is. I can't even think about it. But basically, I feel like bringing that up, we've reached the part of the rug where the root of horophobia has been stuffed under. Um, so during this time, in order to control women and their sexuality, men would demand monogamy. And they would also exchange their women to other men for social status, for social stability, um, for stronger social bonds via marriage. And they also devalued women's presence um, in society, in the public sphere, and not even really valued women's presence in the home. Women are seen as reproductive tools. Women are not allowed to be sexually expressive or sexually explicit. Their singular role was reproduction, production, and stability of the family. And so basically the medieval period was like from, from the 1800s until right about now, I'm just going to say it, women have not really been allowed to be sexual. I got 10 minutes. Um, Women have not really been allowed to be sexually expressive and they've been forced into the private spheres of life, which include being at home, basically. Um, Michelle Rosaldo is another anthropologist. She does the private and public and private uh, dichotomy and spheres of life. I'll talk about that later. That's not like a today thing. Um, but basically, because she's secluded to these spaces, her agency and her presence as a woman doesn't matter. And going back to how I feel it relates to whorephobia is that Freud and a lot of men and since the medieval period, this like conversation has been happening to where if a woman is sexually expressive, she's a problem. She's a whore because women are not allowed to historically enjoy sex without something having without something being wrong with them. And so back then in the uh, in the Victorian era during like Freud's time. If a man felt like there was something wrong with his woman, say that she had a very high libido or she wanted to have sex not for reproductive purposes, he could have her admitted to a psychiatric center and have her 
uh, undergo psychiatric evaluation and psychiatric help because it was deemed to be social act, a social act of deviance to enjoy sex if it wasn't for a reproductive reason, which is funny because it's never been like that for men. And back then, women didn't have a voice. They didn't have a say. They were looked at as property. They were props. They were only used for reproduction. I mean, I don't want to say only, but primarily used for reproduction. So whether or not she's like, hold the fuck up, dude, I'm fine. Like, I just want to fuck. What What, do you, what are we doing right now? You're going to admit me into a hospital because I want to fuck? It didn't matter if she expressed herself or gave a claim to defend herself. The man's word is all that mattered. So if she's like, no, actually, I'm fine. I'm sorry. I just really enjoy sex. He could have her admitted anyway because she's looked at as property to people in the medical field. So they're like, give us your wife and we'll fix her. And women were not allowed to have sexual agency because if they do, then there's something wrong with them. And being horophobic can apply to others because historically it's, I don't, I'm not trying to make the concept of whore binary, but historically, historically. I always got to slip a little stupid little joke in there. But historically, only women have really been defined as whores. And I think that that type of thing really says a lot about our society and how they feel about women's agency and women's sexual pleasures. And all the anti-whore rhetoric supports gender roles and gender performances. And that's kind of something I, I really kind of wanted to touch on also, where it's like, Women are supposed, even still, a lot of people have this idea that women are supposed to be in the home. You're supposed to have sex when your man wants you to have sex. The man's nut is more important than the woman's nut, or I'll say the man's orgasm is more important than the woman's orgasm. And that is entirely problematic because a lot of, in our society, it's seen as though if if you're having sex with a man and he doesn't come That's on you. That's your fault. The sex is bad. But if you're having sex with a man and you don't come, that's on you. That's your fault. Your body is bad. And so even that, I feel like, kind of ties into the concept of whorephobia and gender performance because women are supposed to just lie down and take it. And for centuries, hundreds of thousands of, I don't know, minutes. I was going to say years, but that doesn't make sense. Um... For centuries, women have been expected to be passive participants of sex. We're not supposed to enjoy it. It's a job. It's a duty. It's our our duty to society to help reproduce and procreate. And I think that the concept of the, the history behind how we separated sex from pleasure has a lot to do with the ideology behind whores because women who enjoy sex, there's got to be something wrong with them. And the other day, this I'm going to have to do research on because I don't remember what it was, but I think it might have been Thomas Aquinas. But um, there was somebody back in that period that had the idea that you only got pregnant when you enjoyed sex. And so that ruled out a lot of cases for women to win against their rapists because they thought, Sex only comes from or or babies only come from orgasm from when the man orgasms and from the when the woman orgasms. So if you got raped and then you got pregnant and you had a baby, then you got pregnant. That must have meant you liked it. So the fact that you had an orgasm led you to 
made people think that you enjoyed the sex so you couldn't dispute or dispel whether or not you were like really raped. Nobody would believe you because of how they thought about sexuality back then. And I feel like it's very similar now, not the whole like, if you get pregnant, you enjoyed it. Obviously, that's not a thing I don't think anymore. But I do think that when women want to go out and have sex with as many partners as they want to, as men are so often allowed, it's problematic. It's looked at as you're a slut, you're a whore, because we still in society today have this idea that a woman's body is supposed to only belong to one man or a few men or a men, a list of men lower than the number, let's say 10. You know, But if a woman steps over that line and enters 11, she enters 20, she enters 30 men, it's a problem. She's a whore. She doesn't value her body. Uh, she's dirty. She's disgusting. And all these other adjectives that I just don't feel match the narrative of women's sexuality. I love it when women have gone out of the box and done sexual things that people don't expect, like have threesomes or have an orgy or have a bunch of partners um, and, and outwardly and honestly enjoy the act of sex because for centuries... Women have not been allowed to enjoy the act of sex. So basically, he, all y'all whores out there, keep living your best hoe-ass life because nobody says anything about men being allowed to uh, perform sexually. Nobody says anything about men being whores or being nasty for their body count, which is another word that I hate, which I'll go into at a later date. But um. I understand religiously where the people on campus were coming from. I don't agree with it because I'm very pro-sex. I'm pro-sexuality. I'm pro-women's sexuality. I'm pro-women getting what they need from sex and leaving a man high and dry, if that's what it means. Um, Sexual reparations, basically, is how I feel about it. So that is what I feel like is the history of, oh, excuse me. I drank some alcohol earlier. Uh, that is what I feel like is the history of whorephobia in our society and very various other societies around the world. Um, women should be able to be sexually expressive. Period. Period. Women should be able to be as sexually expressive and as sexually liberated as men. And we we can be that in the public sphere also. We don't have to only hold our sexuality for a single man. We don't only have to hold our sexuality in a specific space. I see no problem with performing things that are representative or actual sex acts as you feel comfortable. So that's my little two cent Tuesday, y'all. I uh, don't have a lot of time left, but I did beat the 20 minute timer. It's really hot in my house but my makeup looks amazing anyway thank you all so much for turning tuning into uh this episode of two cent tuesday subscribe to the channel anthro no apologies my instagram is asia aja corinne um i hope you guys enjoyed this episode i know i was talking really fast i feel like it was a lot of information let me just go over i do i do try to make notes let me go over and see if there's anything that i missed I don't think there is. You know why? Because I'm smart. 
That's it. I'm done. But definitely don't let anybody try to control your sexuality. If you want to be sexually explorative, do that. If you want to try new sexual things, do that. Like you got one life and you better fulfill. All right, y'all. I'll see y'all later. I hope you enjoyed this episode.